I'm just looking at the game and drinking a 40. Next thing I know, he he pulls out a gun and pointed it at me. And then he made everybody lay on the ground. And then the next thing you know, he shot her in the head. And then he shot me in the face. Probably can see the little scar right there. And then he just started shooting everybody. At this point, I'm laying this way, away from him, so he can't see my face. And I held my breath, and I and I laid still and, and acted like I was dead. And then he shot me two more times in the back. When I heard him leave, I got up and I started running. And as I'm running, he's shooting at me some more. And then he shot me and hit me in the butt. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right, and welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This is Pastor Adam on Testimony Tuesday, and we are very, very excited to have a guest that until uh, a few days ago I didn't know, uh, but was introduced by a mutual friend, Evangelist Jeremiah Wacker, who is continuing to go around the fellowship and spread the word about the sermon podcast and let people know about Testimony Tuesday. So we're grateful to, to, to him to for providing some introductions. That's always very helpful. And uh, we want to welcome to the podcast today, Pastor Rick Warren. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a, a welcome uh, uh, invitation from, from uh, Jeremiah. Yeah, I was excited yeah. to be on with you. Well, that's awesome. Uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us today and providing uh, another amazing story of what God has done in your life. And so why don't you give yourself a, a quick introduction, conference style, uh, the five minute version, and uh, tell people uh, where you're located, your wife and your family, and let us know where you're at. Okay. Yeah. I'm uh, uh, Rick Warren uh, down here in uh, beautiful San Pedro, California. Uh, my wife and I, Brittany, uh, my two boys, Blake and RJ, we came down uh, at the end of this month. It'll be one year ago. We were sent down here to take over uh, a great, thriving church. Uh, we took over for Pastor Chris Smart, who's now in Las Vegas, who took over for Pastor William Ortiz, who's now in Bolivia. And uh, we have a great core of people down here, and, and uh, God is doing some amazing things. We are out of the West Las Vegas congregation with Pastor Lamb. Uh, we've been there since 2009, and uh, we're down here. God is, is on the move, and, and uh, we're experiencing some great things down here. Praise God. That's very exciting. Uh, Pastor Scott Lamb is one of my favorites across the whole fellowship. Mine too. So you are very <laughs> blessed with a good pastor. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? And uh, a lot of people, I've heard that a lot of people take their pastor for granted, but I never have. 
is always in awe of uh, the revelation that he has and and what God does in in and through his life. It's every time he gets up behind the pulpit, it's it's like. I think for most of us, man, <laughs> he's he's on another level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know it, it's a blessing and a curse, and it's a blessing, obvious, you know what the blessing is, but the curse is. Uh, being his disciple, I want to try to live up to that. <laughs> and uh, he's got, you know, 45 years under his belt. And, you know, I got one year under my belt. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm trying to trying to live up to, to what he's discipled me with. You know, I want to, I want to come up there and, and bring the heat the way he does. But, you know, it's, it's not there yet, but I'm, but I'm getting there. Yeah, man, you, you just can't replace 45 years of experience, but amen. God can help us anyway. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so Pastor Warren, even though you're, you're not from the purpose driven church, <laughs> uh, we'd love to hear more about you. Um, and like how you grew up, where are you from? Yeah, that's, that's funny, uh, about that. Uh, when I introduce myself to people, I got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> I tell them I'm from, I tell them I'm from the Potter's house, and they're like, "Oh, T.D. Jakes? No, right. no, not T.D. Jakes." And I tell them my name is Rick Warren. Oh, you wrote the book? No, no, not that guy either. And so they're all. I would just take it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like it? <laughs> yeah, right. I was thinking about putting that on my flyers from now on. You know, coming right. here past the Rick Warren. <laughs> you might not get invited anywhere in our fellowship. <laughs> no, but uh, so I grew up in um, <clears throat> Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, born and raised there, uh, lived in the same house. My mom and dad bought our house in 1978. And so we, she's still there. My mom's still there. So we grew up in that house, you know, our whole life. Um, you know, mom and dad, you know, uh, I got a brother that's a year and a half younger than me, almost two years younger than me. Uh, stable house, you know, we, we, like I said, been in the same place, you know. 42 years and um, 44 years, whatever it is. And it was always stability. My dad worked the same job my whole life. Uh, but we never, never, uh, there was never any talk of God, uh, religion, any form of that ever my whole life. I never remember having any of those type of conversations with my parents at all. My grandparents, my uncles nobody you know and all we did was was play sports uh sports was our religion i guess you can say and so we were always playing we played baseball basketball football uh track i ran track we we bowled on saturday and sunday mornings you know my dad played softball in the softball league on sundays uh you know they were at every event you know, they went to every, uh, I was in school plays and, you know, different things. And they were always there. They were always uh, around and supported us on that. But my dad was not really a, a big communicator. You know, they, they he never really communicated with us anything, you know, other than don't do this, don't do that, or you're going to get a whooping. You know, never explained the the consequences are the, you know, ramifications of our actions. Just don't do it, you know? And, and, uh, and so 
you know, he was kind of heavy-handed at times. He had short temper, so we were always on eggshells around him. Uh, but like I said, there was no no religion at all. I don't even remember ever seeing a Bible in my house or or anything. Actually, the first time I ever seen my mom in church, my I was forty, and uh, it's when my uh, my my wife and I's oldest son was born, and my mom came out here to visit us in Vegas, actually, and she went to church with us. First time I ever seen my mom in church, 40 years old, you know, so no form of God at all. Uh, you know, uh, you know, when I, when I turned, uh, 17, I graduated from high school, you know, I, I, uh, I hit the streets. Well, let me backtrack a little bit. So I had an uncle who was, uh, about 10 years older than me. And another one that was maybe 11 or 12 years older than me. And they enjoyed seeing my brother and I, uh, well, especially me, they enjoyed seeing me uh, drunk <laughs> at a young age. And so, you know, they would have their parties and stuff and they would give me drinks and I'd, you know, be at the party of my mom. You said a young playing. age. What 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 age are we talking oh, about? Oh, I mean, like like young, like five, six, you know. And they would just sneak me little drinks because I guess, you know, I would be acting wild and, and crazy when I was, you know. You're the entertaining drunk, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that continued into my into my adult life, but I'll get to that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I developed a taste for alcohol at a young age, you know, in my, like I said, my mom and dad played, uh, my dad played softball, so they always had, part, you know, uh, parties and we would sneak beers out of the coolers, you know, when we were kids. And, uh, but yeah, uh, so my, my uncle, he, he was the guy, you know, he, he partied, he traveled, you know, he always had the girls. And so, you know, he lived life on the edge in the fast lane, you know, my dad, you know, like I said, he was, he worked nine to five, went to work, came home, you know, and, and sat in his chair and drank beers and watched TV. Uh, he, he was a great dad. Don't get me wrong, you know, but you know that was that was his life. And my uncle, who was you know a few years older than me, he would take us to amusement parks and do things. And so he became the one who I wanted to model my life after. And so I'm like, uh, you know, when I when I got old, I wanted to be him. You know, I wanted to be the you know traveling and and partying, and I wanted to be you know that guy. You know, and and uh, and so I followed that. You know, and uh, I hit the streets when I turned uh, 17 and uh, 18. I got myself into some trouble, you know, uh, breaking in. I got arrested for breaking in cars in the hospital parking lot. And uh, while I was on six months probation from that, uh, I my dad got me a job where he worked and I, I got caught stealing from there. And uh, that was a whole big mess. And I, and I ended up getting a felony for that and I got two years probation after that and uh nothing worse than you know your dad working at a place for 20 something years and everybody knows you since you're a kid and then they watch you getting hauled off in a police car from uh oh man from, from the job you know and you know it's like you uh you enjoyed getting the little uh five finger discount yeah, you know, and, and it's crazy. Every time I've ever been arrested for a crime was for stealing. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I, I and I had a yeah, I had a problem. They they 
they call it a, a sickness. <laughs> I had the sickness, you know, I, I couldn't keep things that didn't belong to me out of my pocket. And so. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Uh, so then, uh, you know, lived life and I moved around. You know, I took a job in uh, as a traveling salesman in Detroit. I uh, did that for uh, maybe a couple months and that wasn't my cup of tea, you know. Uh, then I moved to California. My brother was in the military. I moved out there with him, and I ended up playing basketball at Barstow College there in California. And that didn't go well. I played about three-fourths of a year, and I just I wanted to party more than I wanted to go to school. And so I just quit, you know, playing. And it was actually halftime of a game. I just I told the coach, I said, you know, I think I'm done. And uh, turned in my uniform and walked away. Wow. And, and uh, so when I moved to California, so, you know, I was the type of guy that I wanted to just keep going and going and going and going. You know, I would go to uh, uh, the club. Then I would go to the after hours club. Then I would go straight to work from there, you know, and I was I was always on the go. And so I would take uh these little caffeine pills called Nodos. I don't know if you remember those. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I always had a pack of Nodos in my pocket. So when I went oh to California uh, in 92, I went to California, and somebody introduced me to, uh, they called it a crank. And so it's basically just powdered meth and you snort it. But I didn't know what it was. You know, they just said, hey, here's some speed. And I'm thinking speed, okay, yeah, Nodos, same thing. And so, you know, I snorted it and, uh, man, I was up for a couple of days and I was like, man, this is, this is it. And so, you know, I did that for a few months, uh, and then, yeah, moved back to Indiana. And then, uh, another friend of mine called me and said, Hey, you want to, you want to move out of town again? And so, and and so I'm going to tell this story, but I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to divulge too many uh, 
details because it's it, you know it, you'll understand why when I when I get to it. But uh, he said, "You want to move out of town?" And I said, "Sure." And so uh, I said, "Give me a couple hours to get my stuff together, and we'll go." And so we moved to this uh, house, and it was like a party house. And so at that point, I was a DJ. And so I had my DJ equipment. I, I set it up and we just partied until uh, they evicted us. And my car broke down. And so now I'm, I'm no, nowhere to go, no car, all my stuff. And so a couple of weeks prior to that, I had uh, hooked up with a girl, uh, you know, at the, at, the, at the club. And so I went to her house and said, hey, can I stay with you? And she was like, sure. And so I'm living there for about a couple months, and it was uh, Sunday night. I'm watching the NBA All-Star game on TV, and a guy comes to the door, and he looked in, and he walked away. And I was like, man, who is that? So I went and looked, and the guy came back. So at this point, we're watching. It was me and the girl I lived with, her daughter. She's four. We're babysitting a four-year-old and a seven-year-old uh, little girl. And her aunt came to pick the kids up. So this guy came looking for her aunt. So she went outside and talked to him. They came back in the house. And uh, while they're, while he's in there, I'm, I'm just looking at the game and drinking a 40. And uh, next thing I know, he, he pulls out a gun and pointed it at me and said, here, come over here and lay on the ground. And then he made everybody lay on the ground. And then, uh, you know, the girl... And this was all something that, you know, just I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so the girl uh, and him were going back and forth. We were probably laying on the ground. We're probably two feet apart. And uh, and then the next thing you know, he shot her in the head. And then he shot me in the face. You probably can see the little scar right there. Went in here, came out here. Oh, my uh, gosh. And then he just started shooting everybody. And uh, so now... At this point, I'm laying this way, where away from him, so he can't see my face. And I held my breath, and I and I laid still and and acted like I was dead. And then he shot me two more times in the back. And then uh, when I heard him leave, I got up and I started running. And as I'm running, he's shooting at me some more. And then he shot me and, and hit me in the butt, and it uh, oh my gosh. knocked me down. And yeah, and I, I finally made it to a. Uh, there was a restaurant maybe, I don't know, 150 yards from my house across this field. It was covered with snow. And, you know, I'm running, get shot, get knocked down. I get up. I finally made it to the restaurant. They came, the ambulance came, and they, they were able to, obviously, they were able to save my life. But uh, the girl I lived with and her aunt and uh, one of the four-year-olds uh, were, were murdered. And the other two kids were shot uh, multiple times each. And, you know, and, and uh, suffered through that. And I had my mouth wired shut for about six months. And you would think that that would be enough to cause me to slow down, but it didn't. Wow. So, and, okay, uh, before you move forward, th that's insane. Like, I've never heard somebody go through that, something like that in their life. So w w was the guy just on a rampage or, or did he have a grudge uh, or something? Well, he, he had a grudge against the girl's brother. Hmm. And so, and so, like I said, it's uh, it's still, and this was 1993, and so there's still yeah. an ongoing thing with this guy proclaiming his innocence, and you know, there's been, you know, things still going on in the media here and there, you know, and it's, 
you know, I try to keep myself out of it. You know, they've asked me to do documentaries and give my testimony and stuff. And I, you know, I always tell them, no, you know, I already lived through that. I've already been through all that. And I'm, you know, and I'm just trying to move on with my life. Wow. uh, So, so how long were you in the hospital after that? Actually, you know what? I, I only was in the hospital about eight days. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you were shot four times. Is that right? Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And so from from here to here is actually a bone out of my hip. Uh, yeah, my jaw was completely shattered right there, and my mouth was wired shut, and then it was cracked here. And so my mouth was wired shut for about three months for this to heal to be stable enough to put the bone graft in. And then it was wired shut about three more months after that. So my mouth was wired shut for about six months. Oh man. I was like, and I, and I, and I missed a part of my life though. I I forgot about that part. I don't know how, but, uh, yeah, when I was 19, I had, uh, I had three babies on the way. And so, uh, about two months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I told you I was in, you know, I was out there, man. This, uh, this, you know, the, so the three babies was, meaning meaning from three different girls, or you mean you had triplets yeah, on the way? No, three different girls. Yeah. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. So when I was twenty, in about two months, my first daughter was born, and then about six weeks later, my two sons were born eight days apart, and. uh you know, all that being said, you would think that that would be enough to make me want to slow down, <laughs> but it didn't. And so I continued to live a reckless life, you know, just just doing the most, you know, just just uh, everything. And so uh, I saw my barber, right? And so uh, I got my barber license after. Uh, I got shot in 1994, about 1994. I got my barber's license. I've been cutting hair since then. I still do that, you know, uh, four days a week at a, a shop here in, uh, in in California. And the hair is always growing, right? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, and so I, I'll, I'll get to that part, too. But uh, and so, yeah, I uh, I had a shop in uh, Indianapolis. And I had a a good thing going. I was making a boatload of money, but I was still under demonic influence. (laughs) And uh, that money that I was making at the shop just wasn't enough. And I needed more money, right? And so I just was doing extra stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. I kind of got caught up in a little bit of trouble. And so I sold my shop quickly. And then I moved uh, to Philadelphia. And so I, I lived there for almost about a year. Uh, but I went there. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything about the city. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have nothing lined up. I just had to get away. And I wanted to go somewhere where nobody knew me. And, I, you know, and I could start fresh, you know, and, and so... Uh, and so I was in Indianapolis, like I said, and I, I had, uh, I ended up having another daughter. Uh, I was married and I, and I messed that up. So I, uh, I wasn't ever, I was never a good dad. 
you know, during that time of my life, uh, just was all about me. You know, that's the only thing that mattered to me was me satisfying the flesh, you know, no regard for anything. And, and so when I, I moved, uh, to Philadelphia, you know, I, I had already, I messed up my marriage. I messed up my, my business and I was a terrible father. Right. So I said, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to start over. I'm not going to open another barbershop. I'm not going to get married again. I'm not going to have any more kids. And then from Philadelphia, I moved to Las Vegas. And within three months, the opportunity for me to buy another barbershop just dropped into my lap. Uh, offer I couldn't refuse. I mean, you know, it wasn't my plan, but it just worked out that way. Uh, and so from that shop is where I ended up meeting my wife. And I met Larry Shomo, who's a pastor down in uh, uh, Hewitt, Texas now. And and they're down and having revival, by the way. They're doing great. Uh, and I met him, and he invited me to church. And so, you know, the, the three things that I said I was never going to do, I said I was never going to have another shop, I was never going to get married again, and I was never going to have any more kids because I, I squandered them away, you know, being stupid. But God had yeah. a different plan for my life, and he restored all those things. And instead of now being for my glory, it's all for his glory. You've reached the end of the preview of this Testimony Tuesday episode. If you want to hear the second half of this interview, please use the links in the show notes to subscribe. You'll get daily sermons, full testimonies, and an interruption-free listening experience. And every dollar goes to world evangelism. Thanks for listening to this episode of Testimony Tuesday on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.